0: Hello, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. I thank God that we are able to be here together in prayer this morning. This is Thursday morning, and we're in the fifth week of the Easter season. Easter is not just a single day, but it is a season made up of a week of weeks. And this week, we continue our reading of the Acts of the Apostles. Today, we continue the story of the Apostle Paul's last visit to Jerusalem. Please feel free to send me an email with any stories, insights, or questions that might arise this week. You can send them to me at PastorJim2006 at iCloud.com. And now, we begin our prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love, O God that we may rejoice and be glad all our days praise to the blessed and holy trinity the father the son and the holy spirit one god who gives life salvation and resurrection hallelujah the son of righteousness will arise with healing in his wings o come let us worship and praise come let us sing to the lord let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation let us come before god's presence with thanksgiving When eventually there was silence, Paul spoke to them in Aramaic. My brothers and fathers, he began, hear me as I explain myself to you. When they heard him speaking in Aramaic, they became even quieter. I am a Jew, he continued, and I was born in Tarsus in Cilicia. I received my education here in this city, and I studied at the feet of Gamaliel. I was trained in the strictest interpretation of our ancestral law and became zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way, right to the point of killing people, and I bound and handed over to prison both men and women, as the high priest and all the elders can testify. I received letters from them to the Jews of Damascus where I was going in order to find the heretics who were there, Tie them up and bring them to Jerusalem to face their just deserts. Just as I was on the way and getting near to Damascus, suddenly a bright light shone from heaven all around me. It was about midday. I fell down on the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, master? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth and you are persecuting me. The people who were with me saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice of the person speaking to me. So I said, What shall I do, Master? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be informed of all the things that have been arranged for you to do. So as I couldn't see because of the brightness of that light, the people with me led me by the hand, and I came to Damascus. There was a man named Ananias, Paul continued. He was a devout law-keeping Jew, and all the Jews living in Damascus would testify to the fact. He came and stood beside me, and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. In that very moment I could see, and I looked at him. This is what he said. The God of our ancestors chose you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the word from his mouth. This is because you are going to bear witness for him to all people telling them what you have seen and heard. Now then, what are you going to do? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins by calling on his name. After I came back to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him speaking to me. Hurry up, he said. Leave Jerusalem as quickly as possible. They won't accept your testimony about me. But, Lord, I replied, they themselves know that in all the synagogues I used to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when they shed the blood of Stephen, your witness, I was myself standing there and giving my approval. I was looking after the cloaks of those who were killing him. No, he said to me, go away from here. I'm sending you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this point, the crowd listened to Paul, but now they began to shout. Away with him from the face of the earth, they yelled. Someone like that has no right to live. The crowd was shouting, tearing their clothes and throwing dust in the air. The tribune gave orders for Paul to be brought into the barracks, and he told the guards to examine him by flogging, so that he could find out just was, what was the reason for the uproar against him. As they were tying Paul up, ready with the whips, Paul spoke to the centurion who was standing beside him. Is it lawful, he said, to flog a Roman citizen without first finding him guilty? When the centurion heard it, he went off to the tribune and spoke to him. What do you think you're doing, he said. This fellow's a Roman citizen. The tribune came and spoke to Paul. Tell me, he said, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, replied Paul. It cost me a lot of money to buy this citizenship, said the tribune. Ah, said Paul, but it came to me by birth. The people who were about to torture Paul stepped back quickly from him. As for the tribune, he was afraid of discovering that he was a Roman citizen and that he had had him tied up. On the next day, still wanting to get to the bottom of it all and to find out what was being alleged by the Jews, he released Paul and ordered the chief priests to come together with the whole Sanhedrin. He brought Paul in and presented him to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks. Be to God. Paul appeals to the crowd in their own language. He tells them his story. It's the story we remember from earlier in Acts. Paul is the zealous and prominent Pharisee, persecutor of Jesus' followers. He's seen to the killing of some, the imprisoning and binding of others. But now he sees a vision of the risen Lord who asks Paul, Why are you persecuting me? The rest sounds familiar. Ananias comes and prays for him. Paul is baptized into Christ. But this time we learn that Paul has also seen a vision in the Jerusalem temple telling him to leave the temple and to leave Jerusalem and to share the good news about the Messiah in other places. With that news, the crowd goes wild with rage. They throw dirt in the air. They tear their clothes. They call for Paul's death. Jesus had told his disciples that in this world they would first face persecution and rejection, that the good news of God's kingdom would spark such anger that people would call for the death of Jesus' disciples and think they were doing something good by killing them. Paul has now stood on both sides, on the side of his scrupulous and patriotic country people and on the side of Jesus. As Paul looks out over the crowd, he perhaps, more than anyone else in history, knows the depth of Jesus' suffering and sorrow as his own country folk cry for his death simply for showing them the way of the Messiah. The threat of death is terrifying enough, and yet we know that faith in God and hope in the resurrection gives strength to endure, to drink that cup when the time comes. But who can endure the heartbreak, the rejection, and the violent hatred of their own people, their own kin. How particularly painful it must be to try to speak in good conscience to your own country folk with an appeal from God to live a better way, to enter into God's more promising future, a way that is God's way of salvation for this nation and then for the whole world, only to be shouted down by a violent, hateful mob who will not rest until they have pulled this whole thing down upon their own heads. Like Jesus before him, Paul is pulled away from the crowd that is crying for his blood, and a lash is prepared as a means to get him to explain just what he has done to cause such an uproar. The Roman tribune can make no sense of it. Perhaps Paul is a rebel that has misled the people in a revolt and then escaped with his own life. The lash will loosen Paul's tongue, that is, if it doesn't kill him. But now something unexpected happened. Paul reveals that he is actually also a Roman citizen, and a Roman citizen by birth, not by bribe or corruption, born into the citizenship that had been granted either to his father or maybe his grandfather, and then passed on to him with all of its rights and privileges. It was illegal to tie up a Roman citizen and put him to the lash. Suddenly, The tribune now turns from adversary to protector. When Paul's status is revealed, the duty of the tribune and his soldiers changes as well. So what are we to make of all this? This pagan empire that has inflicted so much suffering on God's people, this pagan empire that, in so many ways, is just simply a wicked parody of the kingdom of God and of his Messiah, now shields and protects the Lord's apostle and ambassador. And, as we will see in the chapters ahead, actually starts working to do God's work. Could it be true that all powers in heaven and earth are under the Christ? It is something to think about as we go throughout our day. We too, of course, are citizens of a nation here on earth, and we are also citizens of God's kingdom. And it is in that kingdom, in God's kingdom, where we are united as God's people under Christ's authority, no matter what geographic borders we've lived in. The question is, what citizenship plays the chief role in our life? That is, to whom or to what do we, in the end, truly pledge our allegiance? Perhaps Paul has something to teach us about how to navigate this complicated world that we inhabit, That is, until Jesus returns. Amen. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. let us pray mighty god of mercy we thank you for the resurrection dawn bringing the glory of our risen lord who makes every day new especially today we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation for the gifts of food and water and for the gifts of people to prepare them and bring them to us We give you thanks for the new creation that you have brought about in Christ and all the gifts of healing and forgiveness that you have blessed us with, for the gift of relationships with others, for friends and family alike, and for the communion of faith in your holy church. For what else are we thankful? Merciful God of might, renew this weary world. Heal the hurts of all your children and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially today, we pray for those who govern the nations of the world. We pray for the persecuted people, and for people who live in countries ravaged by strife and warfare, and for those who suffer for the sake of the gospel. We pray for all who work for peace in international harmony, as well as those who have sworn to uphold peace and harmony in our own country. We pray for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. We pray that you would inspire us and give us the wisdom that we need to love and care for all your creatures And we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, that it may turn and return to you, that its allegiance may be for you. For what else, or for who else, do we pray today? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Now, go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil, for evil strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people. Love and serve God, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.